When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Broncos country. So, uh, Post-game recap, a little bit of a, a, a different twist today. Uh, Ian is out. Uh, he's, on, he's on IR for the week. I guess this, that would be a six-week thing. It's not. Uh, but Joe Rolls was going to join us today. So uh, we get to have a discussion about the garbage game uh, that ended up not being so garbage but then really was garbage when it was all said and done. Broncos lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in a, a – rough fashion 27 19 um joe welcome thanks for joining me to, to help me out with the uh, post-game recap yeah happy to ha- the, the one nice thing about today is i'm, I'm happy to talk with you <laughs> right <laughs> you get to talk to somebody about the game and it's just it's just too bad that it's not about a win which it should have been and i i guess let's let's get into it let's just jump right into it because this was a game where, and I think it's there's nobody who watched this game that doesn't agree with this. I don't think they started off so slow and couldn't find their footing at the very beginning of the game, and it just sort of was pervasive throughout. And it felt to me like it took three and a half quarters for the offense to wake up and, and really join the game, and it took three and a half quarters for the defense to really become the defense. And and quite honestly, for a while there, as bad as they were playing, the game was still even close 
at the beginning, but then it kind of just snowballed to the point where it was too far out of reach for them to really get the comeback in the end. Yeah, and the worst part about it is this was quietly a game with playoff implications. Like, I get that we're in week five. I understand that, you know, there's a lot of season left. The Broncos aren't completely screwed. But you look around the AFC, and the AFC West looks like they will definitely have the Chargers and Chiefs right in the mix all the way to the end. Raiders, maybe. AFC North looks like they could have three playoff teams, and then now, obviously, the Steelers are kind of hanging around. Uh Tom Bliss, who does data for this, looked at this right before, you know, like earlier this week. This game was the game with the biggest playoff implications of any matchup this week. And the Broncos were completely asleep until at least halftime. Yeah. Uh, felt I, like they wet their pants. Yeah. I don't have the data in front of me on this because, like, I, I know you and I touched on this a little bit. But, like, I don't know how often this happens to teams from, like, the Mountain Time Zone and the Pacific Time Zone going east with the 1 o'clock games on the east coast. But again, like the the cam, uh, Carton Sutton drop on third and five, it just looked like he wasn't even ready for the ball. It looked like he was sleepwalking through the game. Yeah, it was. So that was early on, obviously, and at that point in the game, it did feel like uh, not just Cortland Sutton, but but most of the team wasn't wasn't really prepared. And I, I find that fascinating. And, and this is something that as a as a Broncos fan for forty one years now, and someone who is who grew up watching uh, them play and hearing the old cliches if you if you talk to old bronco fans they'll tell you some old cliches and this is one of them the broncos don't play well when they go back east ian and i have talked about it several times on the podcast i'm sure other people have talked about it and written about it and it's been something that's been brought up over and over and over again i don't know if the statistics support that right and i'm not really a stats guy and i say this all the time i am I look at stats to kind of get an idea of where things are at, but I don't use them in an analytical way like other people do. Like, you're better at that than I am, and I'm, I am I admit to that. Math is hard, and I don't try and get into it. But my entire life, this is something that we have we have talked about as Broncos fans, is that that East Coast morning game, because it, it's, it's a 10 o'clock game, or it's a, an 11 o'clock game for the Mountain Time Zone. So if you're if you're from Denver, you're waking up and watching a game. And there's as a fan, a nice thing about that is you wake up at ten, you watch the game at eleven, you're done by you know two o'clock. You got the rest of the day. You do Sunday dinner, and, and it's great. That's all wonderful, except for it feels like those are always losses. And this was one of those games where it did feel like they woke up too late and couldn't get themselves adjusted and couldn't get themselves into the game. And the the part that bothers me about that, and I I just thought of this as we were talking here a second ago. They flew out a day earlier than they normally yep. would have, which means they'd had time to adjust. And so you don't have that excuse. I honestly don't think it is a, a legitimate excuse for this game. And no. so I'm not I'm not going to let it be an excuse here. Just like we talked about, the, we'll, and we'll talk about the refs a little bit, but we talked about it before we started recording. I, I'm not going to blame the refs for this loss. Were they bad? No. Yeah, I think they were bad. Was it the reason the Broncos lost? No. Did they wake up late? Yeah, I think they did wake up late. Was it the reason that they lost? No. The reason they lost is because they had a bad game plan on the offensive side of the ball, or they didn't stick to whatever the game plan was to begin with. And the defense gave up these chunk plays that we have not seen all year to an offense whose quarterback was likened to a potato by more than one people, myself included, many, many times over the course of the last three or four weeks. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you. I would say you can't you can't blame the time zone on this. And then the thing with refs is refs are bad every week. Some weeks are bad for you. Some weeks they're not bad for you. 
this wasn't a Jaguars game type ref like effort like that game. I'm going to get on the, the couch and yell about the refs because that game was insane. But like the Kyle Fuller, the DPI, I thought that was pretty ticky tack. The rest of the calls. Yeah, like there wasn't great calls, but I it happens. It's weekly variance. The reasons the Broncos lost this game is because Pat Shermer got out coached again. And Vic Fangio gave up two big plays because Matt Canada knew what he was going to do. The first big play happened because the Broncos came out in cover six. And for listeners, if you don't know what that is, it's quarters to one side, cover two to the other. On the quarter side, and this is how they gave up the play, the Steelers pulled out uh, a vertical out of their number two receiver. So what that does is it pulls the safety down. So all of a sudden, Kyle Fuller is left in one-on-one coverage against Deontay Johnson. At this point in Kyle Fuller's career, it's probably not good to leave him on a player like Deontay Johnson running down the sideline for 30 yards. And we just saw what happened. On the second play, what ended up happening is Von Miller got – the Broncos came out in base personnel, which is their 3-4. The Steelers came out, and they ran – they motioned over into a 3-by-1 set, which dragged the edge player, which was Von Miller, out into coverage. At that point in the play, I think Vic Fangio should have called the timeout because at this point – and again, like I am one of those people that have long defended Vic Fangio dropping edge players in the coverage because I understand why it happens. Because of the injury to Bradley Chubb, you should probably be making like exceptions for Von Miller at this point because he is the Broncos' edge rush. I like Malik Reed, but he's an effort and scheme rusher. Von Miller is the guy who actually creates pressure without a lot of help. And when he's dropped out into coverage, all of a sudden you're screwed. And we saw what happened. He's not a guy you should leave in coverage on Chase Claypool, of all people. <laughs> Whoops. Like, yeah, Chase Claypool is probably not the guy Von Miller should cover. And, and you know what I find fascinating? You talk about, you bring that up. He almost ran Chase Claypool down. I, I just want to give, just no, yeah, just definitely. remind everybody how incredibly, insanely good Von Miller is. He gets burned because he's not a DB, and he, you're right, he shouldn't be in coverage there. Well, At least I don't think so. The play's going down, and who's the guy who catches up to him as he's going out of bounds? It's number 58, Von Miller. Like, I just every day I appreciate this guy more and more, and I know he's going to be gone soon, and it makes me kind of sad. But just just to see that and to realize that it's a waste of of his talents to yes. have him dropping in coverage. And I just wrote this. I write. I kind of you know I do the little notes thing as we're going. I wrote down need more blitzing, and I, I don't want to get into analyzing too much here because it's a post game recap. But I think if in this game they had chosen to blitz more, to uh, design some some packages where you're getting more pressure on Ben Roethlisberger without relying on a four-man front that was clearly overmatched today, then and that would have been something that could have benefited them and caused Pittsburgh to really struggle. And I got to, like, it's embarrassing that the Broncos' front was outmanned by the Steelers' offensive line. Like, I, there's, I, don't, I, I can't just lay that blame on Fangio because that's not on just Fangio. The Broncos on paper should have dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball today. The Steelers have Cameron Hayward, who is very, very good, obviously. They have TJ Watt, who is very, very good, obviously. And we'll get to the offense in a second. But the offensive line should have been able to move the ball consistently on what's left of the Steelers' defensive front outside of those two players. The Steelers' offensive line was tattered. They've had injuries all year, and their offensive line wasn't good before those injuries. So the fact that, like, and again, like, I like Draymond Jones, but the fact that Draymond Jones, Von Miller, Malik Reed, Shelby Harris, and, like, the rest of the defensive line couldn't get pressure on Ben today, that's a, that's a problem because the Broncos are going to face better offensive lines. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and here's my issue with it, and this is why I have Vic Fangio, one of the reasons I have Vic Fangio as one of the losers because I'm uh, taking over that duty for Ian this week, and uh, it feels like a duty, for believe me. Uh, 
he gets he goes on the loser's side because there was no in-game adjustment there. You you just mentioned something that I think is so easy to fix. And you recognize that your defensive line isn't getting the push. And you go and you yell at them and you say, you got to get that push. You got to get in there. You got to get pressure. And you do that three or four times. And then you go, you know what? They're not doing it. They, for whatever reason, they can't do it. I don't know if Shelby Harris is tired. Mike Purcell got dinged up a little bit. They both looked like they got hurt early on uh, a little bit. And they were able to play through it, which is fine. You, you go and you, and you adjust your scheme. And I, I find that good coaches, great coaches, have a scheme that they like and then adjust that scheme to what their team is doing that day because every everybody from the you know from the guy who flips burgers at McDonald's to the CEO to the players on the field in an NFL game they have good days and they have bad days and sometimes sometimes man when i'm teaching a lesson i nail that lesson as a teacher i know how it feels when i when i get something and i can see my students go that was amazing we loved that and then i know same lesson next hour i say something that's not quite right i didn't do it very well and i see that they miss it now i've got to make an adjustment to me that's what it feels like vic fangio struggles with it's what i know pat Shermer can't do and it drives me nuts and this was a perfect game to sort of see how that worked because Pat Shermer eventually did change his game plan when it gets to the end of the game and they've got to make adjustments. But I never saw uh, when it mattered. I never saw the defense shift to that. Maybe sending a a design blitz. Maybe, you know, there was one maybe where they picked it up on a, on a safety blitz. And I think that Pittsburgh was ready for it. But then at that point it was so predictable. It didn't work. It, it, there's sometimes you've got to be able to move a little bit off your off your spot and Vic Fangio does not want to do that and really last year he did a really good job of it because I think he had to and this season he hasn't had to and so he didn't do it at all against Pittsburgh I was surprised by how little Von Miller moved around uh just because uh and this is you know not getting too deep into the numbers on this but one of the numbers that has kind of been jumping out to me for the last four weeks is the Broncos actually the run defense off the left end, which is the offense running left, has been a problem. Predictably, because Malik Reed is a little bit undersized, can get overwhelmed, stuff like that. One way to combat that is to flip your edges back and forth every once in a while to keep things kind of... You can't predict it. So when you're calling a run to the left, all of a sudden you're running right at Von Miller. You don't want that. The Steelers have a rookie offensive tackle playing at their left tackle spot. And I didn't think the Broncos did enough to maximize that today. Again, i got to review it, but it didn't look like it. Um... So to your point, yeah, I, I do think that they, this was a game where Fangio should have done more to adjust because the Steelers were running the ball down the Broncos' throat. We saw it in the third quarter. By the time the Broncos started to do something about it, they ran out of time. Yeah, the, the clock ticks away eventually, and and that's that's really the key here is you have to be able to adjust at the right time, and I didn't see that from anybody. And that's not to say that there weren't weren't guys that had good days and, and there weren't players on the field that were putting in 100% of the effort and doing all of the work. It's just to, to point out that there there just wasn't the same I, – I don't know. I, I want to use the French je ne sais quoi. There just wasn't the thing there, you know, that I don't know what to, what to put on it. It just felt like they weren't ready for the moment. And they got smacked in the mouth against the Ravens, I think, and that sort of stung them a little bit. They came out feeling, it looked, at least from a fan's perspective, it felt like they looked like a team that uh, had a game plan and then got hit in the mouth again. And then all of a sudden, as Mike Tyson said, once you get hit, game plan goes out the window. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing there. And their game plan, not necessarily that it went out the window, but there was no ability to really, 
they, they couldn't they couldn't impose their will in any way at the start. And the offensive line was bad at the start. And the defensive line wasn't great at the start. And they gave up these big chunk plays. And it just was like every little thing. And even still, they weren't necessarily blown out. They just mm-hmm. never looked like they were going to be a factor. And then by the time they were a factor, it was too late. Well, to me, and honestly, that's one of those concerning parts about it. It's like on paper – this Broncos team should have dominated the Steelers because I'm going to be honest. This Steelers team is not a good team. Yes, Ben had a good day today. Yes, like all these things happened today. But this Steelers team is probably hovering around 500 at best if things work out their way just because Ben Roethlisberger is washed. And like, yes, he had a couple of nice plays today, but he is washed. He almost missed the, the long throw to Chase Claypool on the crosser. Like Claypool had to pick the ball up off the turf to get it. Um, Like there was problems. So the fact that the Broncos lost this game close speaks to the talent level, even with all the injuries. Um, and that kind of brings us to where we ended up, though. At the end, Pat Shermer has the ball going down the field. I'm sorry. that I can't, like, The red zone play calling in this game was indefensible. Like I, I have no other word for it. And again, like I say this. I've been kind of critical of Shermer from the Ravens game because I thought he got outcoached by Wink Martindale. People get out coached by Wink Martindale, though. Like, that's a thing. Like, that happens. He's a good coach. You can get out coached one week and then show up and be good the next. Like, that happens. This was a gut check kind of game for Pat Shermer. And uh, in the first half, Melvin Gordon had three carries. Like, let's let's just start there. Um, the Broncos came into this game without Alberto. Cortland Sutton had hurt his ankle. So, like, we essentially had Tim Patrick hampered Cortland Sutton playing through pain on his birthday. And then guys who haven't been NFL receivers to this point, essentially. And Melvin Gordon carried the ball three times. Like, I have no idea why that happened. And then the last two drives of the game when the Broncos get in the red zone, they go completely pass heavy. And again, I understand that time is a factor, but when you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, why the F are you throwing a fade on third down to Deontay Spencer? And I hope we find out, is that an audible that Teddy Bridgewater dialed up? Or is that a play call? Because Mina Kimes talked about this as far back as 2020. So, like, this has been out there. The fade is the one of the least efficient play calls in football. And that's throwing it to, like, Colton Sutton, it's not efficient. Why the heck are you throwing it to a 5'9 return specialist? There, there's no defending that when the game's on the line. There's no, there's no way you can explain that to me. That makes sense. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I kind of want to go back to your point about the run game as well. Uh you had Javante Williams running the ball eight times for Thank 61 you. yards. That's 7.6 yards a carry. So Javante Williams is averaging 7.6 yards a carry, which is incredible for a rookie. And Melvin Gordon, nine for 34 yards. Yeah, that's only 3.8 yards a carry, but that's okay. Like that's that's his job is to is to be the sort of the veteran presence that softens up that line. And then you turn around and hand the ball to Javante Williams, and he just destroys people because that's his job. And they they don't stick to that. And I don't know. And I, and, and, and maybe this is my own sort of, I don't know the game well enough, but I don't know why you would go away from something like that. I don't know why you wouldn't just live with something like that. And it's, it's the thing that I talked about all week leading up to this game. Every time I wrote an article, every time I listened to a, a, a radio hit and, and wrote something, every time I was on the radio when I was on uh, Broncos country tonight or whatever, what did we talk about? We talked about the run game. We talked about averaging six and seven yards a carry and then not using that. And that, again, you go back to indefensible. Yeah, the, the, I, I agree. A, a fade into the end zone is, is an awful play. It's one of my least favorite plays in the world, uh, which is fine. I also hate 
when you have this statistic, and I know I just said I don't use stats very much, but this is one I use. You can see using numbers that these guys are carrying the load and you're not allowing them to do that. And the thing that I thought they needed to do to win this game was run the football and allow Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon to slow the game down. Allow them to take the offense and just work that in a slow manner. You don't have to sling it all over the field. This is not what this this team is not that. Okay? And and the more I look at what this Denver Broncos team is and this this game was very indicative of what they really are. If they're a playoff team, they're a playoff team because the defense plays well and the offense doesn't just completely implode. And this isn't to say that they imploded, but part of imploding isn't just giving the ball away. Sometimes it's just not making good calls and not putting your players in a position to be successful. This is one of those games where for three and a half quarters, three and a half quarters, the Denver Broncos on offense did nothing, did nothing. And then they show up. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has a good, you know, quarter and a half and his stats look great. And you can you can go and look at that. Aside from that last interception, his stats were phenomenal. But not in the first three and a half quarters, they weren't. I mean, Noah Fant, the only thing that he, the only notable thing Noah Fant did in this game up until the fourth quarter was that play where Pat Shermer dialed up a run using Noah Fant against TJ Watt, which first of all, that's inexplainable yeah. too. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but, but no, and again, like, I understand part of this is the progressions that you go through. Like, so like this isn't entirely on Shermer that Fant isn't getting open or he isn't getting the ball. Cause he might be getting open for, you know, we have to go and review that, but you're telling me you go into the game where Noah Fant, Tim Pasher and Cortland Sun are the only guys you can kind of count on as receivers and Fant doesn't get a ball until the fourth. Like that to me screams like you're not doing enough to get him open. Yeah. It's eventually what will happen is, and, and you'll do a better job of this than I will. So I probably won't do it at all is people who know more than I do will go and look at the scheme and they'll look at the way the plays ran out and, and whatnot. And they'll sort of figure out, well, is this on Fant or is this on Shermer or is it a little bit of both? I, I, I am sort of of the opinion that Noah Fant is one of those guys that's so talented and has so much just raw ability that he can make it work and he can, he can figure it out. The question is, is he in a system that's going to take advantage of what he can do? And are the coaches going to put him in a position to be successful? And I, I keep going back to that because this game in particular, but other games throughout the course of, of his career in particular, but just throughout the last recent history of the Denver Broncos, it feels like the coaches have done a very poor job of putting guys in a position to be successful. And the best coaches, and I'll, I'll point to John Harbaugh, for example, the best coaches put their players in a position to be successful. Well, we watched that against the Ravens. And then we turn around and what do we do? We watched Mike Tomlin do that with the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in week five here. And we you know, we, we get to sit and we, we watch these great coaches and we see what it looks like. And I wonder if Fangio's ever going to figure that out. I don't think he's actually going to get the time. That's for another show. And we'll, we'll, do, we'll dive into that later this week. But... I would love it if they could find a guy who knows how to put his players into a position to be successful because this game was not that. The Broncos lost to the Steelers for a lot of different reasons. A big part of that was coaches not putting their players in a position to be successful. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.